It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 31st day of January 2019. Looked like the last day of the month, matter of fact. Uh, I'd like to welcome our co-host, Jay Basser. And uh, today our guest speaker is John Dorley. He's a certified veterans claim agent. And you all, uh, if you're in an appeal stage or something, might uh, you you'd benefit you to give him a call and talk to him. Uh, Right now, I want to give a shout-out to the Blue Water Navy and congratulate them on a good win. Although I can see some problems here with the BA, uh, from what I was reading, uh, the BA, uh, they didn't stipulate the territorial waters in this win, and I think that they should have because uh, there's no telling what the BA is going to classify as territorial waters, whether it's within a less than 12 mile range or or more than 12 miles out, or what the distance will be, and and so I believe that's going to become problematic. Let's hope they do get it worked out and and be able to take care of some of the veterans there in the Blue Water Navy that are are certainly uh, due compensation of some sort. So with that being said, uh, Mr. Doldry, how are you doing today? Guys, I'm doing good. I'm just trying to stay warm up here in frigid Minnesota. You know, we've, we've had record lows uh, that we're dealing with. So, so we're, we're about, ready to, about ready to break out of it. We're supposed to get into the uh, 30s, possibly 40 this weekend. So we're we're happy about that. Better than minus 35, which it was earlier. But, but yeah, Joe, you bring up an interesting uh, uh, case law that was recently won at the court, the Court of Veterans' Appeals. And and uh, uh, specifically including Blue Water veterans as, as presumptive to exposure to Agent Orange. Um, unfortunately, I, I do predict that the VA will appeal that. Our secretary and assistant secretary are, are, uh, have been against that. Uh, uh, their theory is until there's scientific evidence, they're not interested in trying to add that as presumptive. But uh, uh, So I think the fight will go on. But, yeah, that, that's a major win. And so certainly... Uh, for my veterans on appeal, I'm going to be quoting that law uh, at the court, and and so we'll we'll see what happens on that. Well, um, what's the next level? I understand. Uh, I understand that uh, if they do appeal it, the only appeal they have is with uh, through the uh, Supreme Court, and uh, if that being the case, they they may not appeal it. Uh, I think they'll this. come back and use his uh, territorial waters as a as a weapon against the veterans. Yeah, I, I think it could go that way. Um, 
I, I think that the legal beagles with the VA will figure out a way to, to, to appeal it, and whether it's to the circuit court or the Supreme Court, I think it, it will happen. Uh, I hope not. You know, it'd be wonderful for for all veterans uh, to set that type of precedent that that uh, blue water veterans be included as presumptive to exposure to Agent Orange. Um, currently, I think if I remember right, it's Hodgkin's disease that that does include the blue water veterans. But any other uh, Agent Orange uh, disability is not presumptive for blue water veterans. So, so yeah, it, it would be a, a big a big win. I mean, it is a win now with this opinion, but to make it into law, that, that's really the key. Yes. So, so um, go ahead. No, I, I, I think that uh, um, I've been keeping a really close eye on this, and 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 again, uh, well, the ball's in the court of, of the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, to see what they want to do. Um, the other thing is is that now that this this law has been, uh, or excuse me, now that this court opinion has been made, uh, the question is is it going to fall in, into a precedent law? Uh, so there so there might be a window from the from the date that opinion was made till the time it gets overturned for veterans to to get in on this and and possibly win these types of claims as blue water veterans. Uh, so I I would say that we would want to do that. Uh, very soon, uh, because if that window closes, uh, there's no telling when it will will open up again. That's that's very true, and it is recommended that the uh, all veterans, Blue Water Navy veterans, that have uh, some presumptives uh, dealing with Agent Orange, uh, that they file a claim immediately, at least get it in the works, uh, like you say, they could close this window. You know, if once once it's open, it can be closed. And and the thing to do is get your name in there on the roster, or or you know, it, uh, we're all old enough now. Most of Blue Water Navy veterans are that if they have a presumptive, uh, it very well could have already manifested itself and. And uh, uh, and I know there's there's been a large number of them that's already passed on. So um, let's let's hope everyone gets taken care of that's supposed to be taken care of. Yeah, including the widows and widowers. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, yes. if if the uh, individual who was exposed is passed on. Uh, I would just encourage uh, any widows. In most cases, it would be widows. Uh, there's probably a few cases of widowers uh, that would want to uh, initiate action for dependency and indemnity compensation, which is a benefit that uh, spouses can receive if their uh, service members died due to or as a result of a service-connected disability. And certainly that would include uh, any type of presumptive Agent Orange issue if Blue Water veterans are included. So that. That's something we want to look at because currently what what the law says is that unless you set foot on land or if you were uh, a brown water veteran, what they call brown water veterans up to tributaries into Vietnam, unless you fall into that category, uh, you're pretty much a, a blue water veteran. Uh, my understanding it would include Da Nang Harbor, Cameron Bay, uh, a certain uh, number of uh, feet and or miles from the coast, uh, which which would, would define the blue water veterans. And so 
it's it's a fight that's been going on at least since I started in the in the business in 1992. Um, hopefully, it can come to a head uh, into permanent law, and I think this uh, recent decision is a major step to that. So, like I said. Um, it's in the court of the Department of Veterans Affairs now to see if they, they have every right to appeal it, and, and I assume they probably will. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Well, time will tell. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we want this, you know, we really want all the veterans that's deserving to be taken care of, by golly. Uh, they do. De- uh, if you have an Agent Orange presumptive and you was in the Blue Water Navy, I'll go ahead and, you know, I imagine, uh, would imagine a lot of them's already filed, but the ones that haven't uh, and have issues, they should get filed immediately. Or their spouses now, like you said, there are a lot of spouses uh, that's going to be involved in this, and they... They should be made aware of it. Of course, I'm certain the BA will send them all out letters uh, uh, to that effect. Uh, well, maybe not. No, I, I, I don't know that the VA. One of, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I always when I when I was cutting my teeth in the business, uh, one of my uh, uh, one of my supervisors always said. Uh, he always taught me and always stayed with me. He always said that you know, the VA is not going to come knocking at your door uh, asking you to apply for benefits. They, they, they just don't do that. They may throw out some periodicals out there. They may get the word out through uh, legions, VFW, stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, uh, potential applicants, they're going to be their best advocates. Uh, keep, your, keep your ear to the ground. Uh, watch the Internet, the TV. Get on the Internet if you don't have it. Uh, and, and just make sure you you watch the different types of uh, websites that are that are uh, talking about this type of program. And so just be aware and uh, be inclined to file for these types of benefits and contact individuals such as myself or or national service officers or or any other experts out there that that have a better idea of what's going on to get an update on these types of Agent Orange law changes. Um, you know, you know, Gerald. The other thing we don't want to forget about is is um, Hypertension is still on the table, and and I think that when I talk about hypertension, high blood pressure, uh, there's been a lot of talk about getting uh, a death disability as presumptive to service uh, or exposure to Agent Orange, I should say. Yeah, it's just not Vietnam. Right? It's areas of Thailand and and aboard certain aircrafts and stuff like that that were transporting Agent Orange. So so when we're talking about Agent Orange exposure. Uh, and, and the diagnosis of hypertension, that's another big one, because if they ever add hypertension as a presumptive to, to Agent Orange exposure, that, that will open up uh, so many other avenues uh, for veterans to be service-connected for, because as, as many people know, you can have hypertension, it can be controlled through medication, uh, but there's so many offshoots of hypertension that, that can happen in stroke, heart disease, uh, things of that sort. So, and those are all service-connectable as well. So if you have a disability that's, that's secondary to hypertension, that's open for service connection. So, so just kind of keep in mind, if, if you're exposed to Agent Orange and you have hypertension, uh, get the claim in because cause that claim should uh, 
warrant benefits down the road if they ever add hypertension. Well, I thought hypertension was uh, uh, one of the presumptive, John. Not that I know of. Oh, it's not. No. Oh, no. ischemic heart disease, man. Yeah. Yeah, ischemic heart disease, coronary artery disease, heart conditions like that are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, but uh, uh, hypertension, it, 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 it's a very, uh, how should I say, uh, it's a type of disability that many, many people have, including a number of veterans. And, and the bean counters at the Department of Veterans Affairs are just terrified that they're going to have to add this. Because it's, no, it's not so much paying a 10% disability for hypertension, which is usually qualified when you're on prescription and your diastolic and systolic and hypertension are above a certain level. Even if it's controlled, you can, you can get a 10% disability. What the VA is afraid of is paying out for the, the severe chronic disease that culminate as a result of hypertension, especially stroke. Uh, of course, heart disease would probably already be service-connected on presumptive to Agent Orange, but, but any other disability that's not already on the presumptive list, like stroke or any other uh, residual offshoot of hypertension, would be service-connectable as well. Yes. So there's a lot involved in that. It's, it's uh, more complex than people realize. Just keep an eye on it, uh, folks. And like like we said, if you have a, if, especially if you're Blue Water Navy veteran uh, and you have some issues, or uh, if you're a spouse and, and uh, 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 surviving spouse, uh, get a claim in. Get in there and talk to to a veteran's rep uh, or someone like John Dorley here. Uh, he's a certified veteran's claim agent. And I don't know how many are across the country. You know, John? You know, Gerald, I, I looked at the website one time, um, so I was kind of curious how many people are out there that do what I do on, on a claims agent level, on a credits and appeals agent, not including attorneys. There, there's a lot of attorneys out there uh, yeah. that are authorized and, and do what, what, we, what we do as claims agents. Um, I think there's only a couple hundred throughout the country, um, maybe two, 250 throughout the country. And, and I would reckon the guess of those 200, 250 uh, accredited appeals agents, maybe half concentrate on it full time. I'm just guessing at that. But I, I know for the state of Minnesota, we've got three. Um, and, and, I'm full-time. Uh, the other guy that I know of, uh, John Brown, who's been on this show years ago, uh, he's still full-time. And I think there's two others that are uh, uh, registered. I know one doesn't do it full-time. But I guess the point being is, is Gerald, when I, when I answer the question, I, I would reckon to guess as far as accredited appeals agents that do it full-time and hit it hard like me, maybe a couple hundred, 150, somewhere around there. Well, for as many veterans filing claims, that's not very many. <clears throat> well, I tell you, there's a lot of work out there to be had. Um, you know, I, I sometimes I rub shoulders with with previous coworkers and peers that I run into from previous jobs, and I said, "This is the job you got to get into if, if you want to make a difference. 
you want to you know, make a living doing it, be your own boss, and if you're good at what you do, um, it's a perfect job. It's the best thing I ever did. So, um, what else is on your mind, guys? Want to talk about ramp a little bit? Yeah, uh, let's talk about ramp a little bit here, uh, John, okay. uh, because, you know, they got this new uh, deal they're coming out with, and, and that's supposed to already started, I guess, on the, I'm wearing my paperwork, but anyway, it's uh on the new procedure for for claims mm-hmm. process, where they've right. uh, redone it, I don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. So far, I don't feel so good about it. <laughs> but uh, well, there may you know, be some out there that can, you know they're in a position that they can feel good about it, depending on where your claims at. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're right. Ramp is not for everyone. Um, the, the actual program has been in effect um, since October of 2017. It was uh, implemented uh, on a trial basis, so they, they rolled out the Rapid Appeals Modernization Program, also known as Ramp, uh, to offer veterans an opportunity to get a decision uh, sooner than the old uh, appeals process called the Legacy Appeals Process. Uh, the old legacy appeals process took three to four years on average to get a decision on an appeal. The uh, RAMP program is uh, targeting 125 days from the day you file the uh, uh, the option into RAMP. Um, what, what's interesting, though, is, is uh, again, uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs rolled it out rolled it out on a minimal initial basis in October 2017, but um, it, it's going to be fully implemented February 19th of this year, 2019. Um, it, it's going to be very, very similar to the program that they rolled out in 2017. There's going to be a few additional changes. Uh, the new program is going to allow an appeal. Uh, really, when you file an appeal, you, you select one of three lanes. A supplemental lane review, a higher level review, uh, or a uh, direct appeal to the Board of Veterans Appeals. So, so you have that initial option right off the bat. So, when you get a decision, you opt into one of those three lanes. Okay. Uh, what's also, I think, is exciting about this new ramp program is that if you get denied in any of these three lanes, that opens up a one-year window to continue the appeal, either through new material evidence or appealing to the next level, which would be a higher level review or, or a Board of Veterans Appeals review. And, and if you get denied at that level, it still opens up another one-year window to present new material evidence, all the while protecting your original date of claim, which is, which is very nice. Um, under the old program, you file a notice of disagreement, you get a statement of case. Uh, you have a certain time period to appeal to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. If you get denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, unless you can show a clear and unmistakable error, 
or, or a reason for reconsideration at the Board of Veterans' Appeals, your only option was the Court of Veterans' Appeals, which took many years. So if, if, you, if you use the RAMP program correctly, uh, it really does have its advantages. Now, in some cases, and I think, Gerald, your case is very similar to this, and we've talked about this before, you're so far down the road in your appeals that uh, it wouldn't make sense to go into a RAMP program because uh, uh, really what you'd be doing is reinventing the wheel. You wouldn't lose your effective data claim, but you'd be reinventing the wheel under a supplemental lane review, which would be adjudicated by a rating specialist who really doesn't have that seasoning and knowledge that a DRO would have, a decision review officer at the Department of Veterans Affairs. But in most cases, uh, I, I use RAMP a lot. I do. And it it pays off well in time limits. Um, I'm not always happy with the decisions that are coming out of RAMP. Uh, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that. But timeliness, you get into that RAMP loop, it, it, it makes all the difference. People are going to be able to get their benefits much sooner. Well, you know, in some cases, RAMP would be be all right to use. I think you, you have to look at your own situation. It would be a case-by-case, case, I think, uh, for RAMP uh, to fall into uh, your own particular situation. Yep. Um, Gerald, there's going to be a lot of veterans out there, a lot of claimants out there that probably have gotten letters from the VA saying uh, you should opt into this RAMP program. Uh, and the VA is continuing to encourage veterans to do that. Uh, don't do it on your own. You get your representative on it. Sit down and talk to your representative, whether it's a a county service officer, a state service officer, a national service officer, someone like me who's an accredited appeals agent or, or an attorney, sit down you know, w with someone who knows your case like the back of their hand and make sure you make the right decision. And when you do make the right decision, uh, it can pay off. But even, even opting into RAMP, I'm not trying to make it more complicated than it needs to be, but even opting into RAMP, you have to select a certain lane. There's a supplemental lane review. There's a higher level review. There's a review for the Board of Veterans' Appeals. So, yeah, I mean, it's strategic. It's a lot of strategy goes into these, these claims work. And if you, if you follow the advice of a, a learned representative, uh, you're going to have a much better chance than doing it on your own. That's true, yeah. And and talk, if you talk to a representative, be certain that they're familiar with the mechanics of ramp, uh, you know, uh, you want them to know uh, what they're talking about. If they're not familiar with the mechanics of it, I would advise you to speak to someone else. Uh, um, because uh, ramp has its advantages, and at the same time, like I say, it depends on where your claims at in the process. Uh, it may right. speed it up and it may not. <laughs> right. You may, like you said, you may just start running in circles and you don't want that to happen. Right, right. And, and that's important, Gerald. Find a representative that 
that when you talk to him or her doesn't look like a deer in the headlights. And, and, and most veterans are pretty savvy. I mean, they've been around the block. They can usually talk to a representative or, or anyone in the community. And, and if, if you get in a gut feeling that they don't know what they're talking about or if they're just kind of, kind of winging it, um, do yourself a favor and, and, uh, uh, look up someone like myself or, or, or another agent or an attorney uh, or, or even another national service officer because for the most part you're going to have a pretty good idea of, of what they're talking about and, and how they're going about doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, John, are you familiar with uh, the uh, Champa VA? Some of sure. their issues. Uh, now, if a person has, or a veteran has, uh, suppose they retire, retired from a uh, government facility or VA facility, and they they're covered with insurance, then when they become this, uh, if you know they were to become disabled and say Medicare kicks in and are they still do they have to take COLA or uh, the for instance uh, usually the VA facilities or Medicare I mean Blue Cross Blue Shield do they have to take Blue Cross Blue Shield, or or take the Part B uh, uh, Medicare on well, that. You, can, can they opt out on that uh, Part B? Because that's a hundred and well, some dollars a month, and they don't really need it. And I'm going to wing it a little bit. You know, I don't like to wing it, uh, but, but this is what I remember, and, and certainly when I was a government agent. Uh, a veteran service officer, it was, it was my job to know anything and everything about all VA benefits. Now, of course, I specifically concentrate in service-connected disability compensation, dependence and indemnity compensation, but that doesn't mean I haven't retained some of the knowledge. But So, so basically, when you're talking about CHAMP VA, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, 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 but it's, a, it's a health insurance program that uh, is afforded to dependents of veterans. For example, if a veteran gets rated uh, service-connected and draws the 100% rate on a permanent total basis, whether it's scheduler 100% or under the Total Disability Individual Unemployability Program, as long as a permanent total 100%, uh, the wife and dependent children could qualify or CHANT VA, which is a health insurance program. Uh, yeah. I'll talk a little bit about how Medicare plays into it and, and other health insurance in a little bit. But uh, my understanding is that once these dependents uh, get qualified for CHANT VA, they can't use the VA medical center, is my understanding. But what they do is, is they have an insurance card that's basically – uh, one of two things, it can be a supplement to any private health insurance that they have. And I'll set Medicare to the side right now. But let's say they have group health or, or uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, CHANT VA is designed to be a supplement 
to that health insurance program. Now, where it gets interesting, though, is that uh, Chant VA does not require, and again, I'm just going by memory, they have a, they have a website and a, and a 1-800 number that can answer questions as well. But my understanding is, is that you do not have to carry a private health insurance. I'm not talking about Medicare Part A and B right now. I'm just talking about private health insurance, like a, a Blue Cross, Blue Shield, uh, uh, something to that, to that effect. Uh, Champion can be your primary health insurance coverage. But again, if you have other health insurance coverage, it's designed to be supplement. That's part of Champion's requirements. Now, Getting into the Medicare Part A and B part, uh, I don't know 100%, and, and, and I'm going by memory, and I think the laws have changed a little bit since then. Gerald, I want to say that Chant VA does require you to carry Part A and Part B, and, and I get it. Uh, the Part B, I believe, is, 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 is what costs uh, $150 a month or whatever it is. Uh, but, but I would just say whoever's listening to this show, I'm not a thorough expert on those types of benefits. I'm just going by memory. Uh, but uh, my understanding is, is that CHAMP VA does require you carry the Medicare Part A and B. Uh, that certainly can be verified easy enough on the CHAMP VA website, www.champva.gov. Uh, and you can also call them directly on those questions, too. Uh, well, what about that third insurance? So they have like a Blue Cross Blue Shield, for instance, and if they had it, why in the world would they be required to carry the Part B? Uh, well, Chant VA. Uh, so I think your, Gerald, I think your question is, is that if they have Medicare Part A and B. And then they have a supplement, as you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, for example. Uh, yes. Your 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 question is, is why why should they have to carry Part B if they already have the Blue Cross Blue Shield? True. Yes. So I think I think from Champion's perspective, the uh, I don't know 100% um, what their policy would be as to why that can't be done. I think there's a differentiation of private sector and federal sector, and I don't have a good answer as to why they make that differentiation, but they seem to make that, well, Champion is a federal entity and, and Medicare is a federal entity as well, whereas Blue Cross Blue Shield is a private entity. Uh, so so I, I don't have a good answer as to why they uh, mandate that, but, but what, I, what I understand is that because of the federal entities and the coalition between the federal uh, programs, uh, that's why they would say, go ahead and drop your Blue Cross Blue Shield, save money, but, but you will not, you cannot drop your Medicare Part B. Uh, if you do, you would not be eligible for CHAMP VA. Um, I don't like the law, but, but that's my understanding of, of how they do it. Well, um, it. Go ahead, John. It basically affects um, you know, there's different there's different versions of Blue Cross and Blue Shield. You've got the private entity sector, but then you also the largest insurer for federal employees. One of the largest ones is Federal Blue Cross and Blue Shield, which is a federal insurer. It's very similar to you know, the federal policy. And what it is is 
the, the employees are not required uh, if they have an insurance to take Part B on a, on a normal basis. However, since uh, if, say, the, if the veteran's spouse is a retired federal employee or a federal employee and she's eligible for Champ VA, which rides secondary, you know, to any you know, any other insurance, if it's not a primary if you've got any other insurance, then it still requires you to take Medicare Part B and that but the employer really doesn't need it because employees are already paying four or five hundred dollars a month for the insurance. And you just add another, you know, and it's if you have a family, you know, their their family plans pay up to age twenty six where a champ VA only pays up to age twenty three. Mm-hmm. And so it would you know, sometimes it puts people in a hardship in order to do that because, you know, you're cutting your kids off three years early, especially in college. And uh, we just we did a show on this the other day, and uh, you know we discussed it. And it only affects, like, say, for example, the veteran's 100% service connected permanent total, and the spouse is a federal employee, regardless of what agency, because any insurance that insures federal employees is a federal insurance, and it's kind of like you know the government self-employed and they pay money into it. And uh, so we're just trying to figure out why that law is and why Champ VA is the way it is, because if they're paying secondary already, then they should continue to pay secondary. It's not going to cost them any money to change the rule. That's a good point, and I think you explained it even better than I could. Um, and I think mm-hmm. certainly um, Champ VA is, is, is embroiled in their laws, rules, and regulations, mm-hmm. and, and I think until it gets changed, uh, whether it's legislative support or something to that effect that will change Champ VA's rules and guidelines. That's, that's essentially what's going to have to happen. But, well, but yeah, you know, I think you explained Champ it well. VA was, Champ VA was never voted on in Congress. Yeah. Uh, Champ VA is, was issued by executive order. And matter of fact, back in you and I were in service, you remember if you were married at the time, you may not have been, but your spouses at the time had Champas. You remember Champas? Yep. Yes. Yep. Well, yeah, when, when we're they, in the military, we're the campus, right? It's called TRICARE now. Yeah, Champ VA is the, how do I say, Champ VA is the genetic reproduction of Champus. Of course, it, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was moved over to the VA area after TRICARE came into play. And, uh, so now it's, uh, you know, they've got their own little system and their own rules and regulations. Of course, they're part of the VA, but still, I mean, there's... It doesn't really have to be legislative-type change. Congress can't change it, you know. They can vote on it and change it, but this is an executive order program, so they can be changed with two words. Yep, and I, and I think that demonstrates some of my limited knowledge on that particular benefit, um, you know, going by memory. And I think certainly, John, you, you have a, a better understanding of it uh, as I do. Uh, we had a lady so. called in last night. Boy, she was mad as well get out. I'm trying to decide which to pay bills or buy groceries, you know, and they start sticking with another hundred and thirty five dollars a month bill, that's uh you know, that's pretty sad if you're probably paying five hundred dollars a month for insurance. That's that's outrageous. But for the most part, you know, setting aside Medicare Part B uh, Champ VA can mm-hmm. be uh, uh, an excellent tool uh, for, for those individuals that that uh, um, maybe they don't qualify for Medicare Part Part A and B based on their age yet. But 
Um, I know a lot of clients have gotten rated 100% permanent total that didn't have any health insurance at all, and now all of a sudden they have Champ VA, or they did have health insurance, and they're paying mm-hmm. you know, five, $600 a month to cover their wife and three kids, yeah. and now they can, the, the veteran can minimize it to just, he may have VA Medical Center covering him, so he's satisfied with he or she's satisfied with that, and their their wife and kids yeah, or husband good. and kids qualify under Champ VA, and save themselves that monthly mm-hmm. amount to use Champ VA as the primary. That's true. Well, if they still got a little bit of a copay, but it's better than, you know, instead of paying a thousand dollars. It's not a bad insurance either. I, you know, I, I, from what I remember, I looked through the booklet. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the Cadillac of all insurance companies, but uh, uh, they're certainly worse. Uh, I think they're decent. I think if someone was to qualify mm-hmm. for Champ VA, look through the booklet, uh, don't drop your health insurance. I always tell people, don't drop your supplemental health insurance unless you're 100% sure that you want Champ VA as your primary. Because a lot of those insurance companies, as you know, you, you drop them, and for some reason you want them back, they might say no, especially if you have a pre-existing condition. Right. right so you only have so much time to take it when you, when you get awarded your claim. Of course, they'll pay your bills back to your effective date, but you've got like 18 months to get everything filed with them. So, you know, you have to jump through hoops, but it's worth it. That's a good point, John. It's worth it. And that's another thing I forgot about. I've gotten people rated 100% permanent total uh, retroactively six months, you know, a year, year and a half, five years, Uh whatever. Um, and yeah. technically, they qualify for Champ VA retroactively, and any out-of-pocket medical expenses uh, right. those dependents had, you could claim for reimbursement. Right. You know. So. But the only really problem we've ever seen with that is this issue. And now, if you're, if you have a wife on Champ VA and she takes medication stuff, you know, if you go to the big stores like Walgreens or places like that and get your medicine filled. If you have two insurances, Walgreens only do one insurance, they won't bill two. So that leaves the spouse having to send receipts to Champ VA to get reimbursed. And sometimes it can take up to seven or eight months to get paid back. That's mm-hmm. the only problem I have with it. It's too slow. And they need an electronic system that will pull in and put one in or not. Yeah. So, yeah, it can, you know, it can be a, a paperwork. Days, yeah. It can be a paperwork nightmare to get reimbursed. You know, I, I remember sitting mm-hmm. across the table. Again, I'm talking about years ago, um, but uh, I remember sitting across the table and filing for those. They'll be reimbursed for previous bills uh, under Champ VA retroactive, and they don't make it easy. It's a lot of paperwork, and you send it in, and if it's, there's one thing not done right, they ship it all back, and they tell you what you need to do. Oh, yeah. You ship it back, they ship it back to you. And uh, There's not a lot of customer service, at least at that point in time, uh, but that's why when I always build it out, I went through it three or four times to make sure everything was perfectly done. Hmm. It's kind of like watching an NFL game when a team you like and they're losing, but they make a couple of plays to come back. But every time the team comes back, the referee takes a goalpost and move it. And this the goalpost is out the pocket lot. Keep moving the goalpost. Yep. But the worst thing about the Blue Water Navy bills, they move the goalposts there. If they get so far offshore, it's going to be in 5,000 feet of water. They can't find it. (laughs) 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 
That'll be interesting uh, on that, guys, how far they go out from the shore sure. on that. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, I'm the, har- probably the harbor's in inside. How, yeah. how far? They'll probably take it inside. They'll probably Five move miles? it inside. They'll probably move six inches offshore. Oh, God. <laughs> if yeah. you were getting six inches offshore, offshore. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. watch them. Yeah. yeah. You watch them move it six yeah. inches offshore. Well, <laughs> it'd be a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but at least they yeah. cover camera on Bay and Denang Harbor. But, yeah. You know. They should cover the harbor. Well, I'd say, I, I was just going to mention, guys, if there's any listeners out there that want to call in, uh, feel free to do that. Gerald, do, do you mind sharing that number? Or? Oh, yeah. Let me give it out here. Uh, the call-in number, folks, is 347-237-4819. Now, this call-in number, once again, is 347 237 Four eight one nine, and then when the lady talks, uh, you can hit number one, and I'll put you in the queue with us. And we'll be glad to uh, take your question or comments or or whatever. Uh, and uh, hopefully, we'll get some calls here. If you have any yeah. questions, call in. Now's your chance. Because, uh, Gerald, I know a number of my clients, they'll, they'll say, yeah, I heard you on the radio show. I, I listened to you. And and so uh, those guys, uh, maybe they don't have any questions, but uh, if they do, uh, feel free to call in. I, I know them all by name, so uh, feel free to call in. Yeah, but we'd love to hear from them. Uh, John, we was wanting to hit a little bit on this. On the Q claims, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I had some people interested in those, and it's been a while since we brought them up. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain requirements, I think, <coughs> uh, before you can... Uh, uh, you can uh, holler for a queue claim, and you can even mm-hmm. ask the VA to queue themselves. Uh, but uh, you want to know you have a queue claim, and and there's se- several things there that you can look mm-hmm. for that might help. Right, right. Well, you don't, you won't know unless you file. I mean, certainly you can file a queue claim on any type of denial. That you want, and, and the beauty of a Q, when we say Q, it's a CUE, clear and unmistakable error. And, and the beauty of a Q is that if you win the darn thing, which is is difficult, not impossible, but it is difficult, uh, the VA is obligated to uh, service connect you all the way back to when the Q was made, whether it's six months ago or 66 years ago. If they find a Q. The VA is obligated to compensate you all the way back to when the queue was made, even if you're outside the appeal deadline. So that, that's, the, that's the, the neat thing about a queue. Um, that being said, uh, the very definition of, of the word clear and unmistakable error has got to be clear, it's got to be unmistakable to any reasonable mind. Uh, so, for example, um, I think, Gerald, you and I have talked about this. I mean, this is a simplistic example, but uh, 
if I come across a rating decision from 1990 that rated tinnitus with the ringing and buzzing in your ears you get, and they rate it at 0%, well, statutorily, uh, the law says tinnitus is an automatic 10%. You come back in, you file a cue and say, hey, this should have been a 10%. You drop the ball and it's not 0%, it should be 10%. And they'll come back and they'll rate it 10% retroactively all the way back to 1990. So that's kind of a simplistic uh, example of a cue, clear and unmistakable error, um, where it gets a little bit uh, difficult and, and gray is, is when you're uh, basing a cue on an understanding of uh, the medical record. Uh, I know previous doctors that I've worked with before have uh, reviewed uh, compensation exams, VA medical center records, or private medical records that adjudicators have reviewed and made their decision on. Uh, and, and if that decision was contrary to what a doctor today believes, that could also constitute a cue. Uh, where it gets difficult, though, is when you're having two doctors differentiate the symptomology and the severity and things of that sort. That's where it gets a little bit murky when we're talking about a cue. It's got to be clear and unmistakable to any reasonable mind. Now, that's kind of a contradiction when you're talking about reasonable minds in the VA. I get that because they're not always that reasonable. So that's, that's why, folks, if you're out there and you want to file a cue, go for it. See what happens. And, and if it's denied, uh, you have the right to appeal it and and going from there. So, yeah, well, that's, that's kind uh, of my dog and pony show about a cue. What about, though, uh, uh, John? Uh, you get denied a claim, uh, full denial. They just say you ain't got a claim there. Nothing in your record support it. And then later on, like 10 years down the road, you find in your medical records that, yes, indeed, uh, what you were saying is accurate, you know, and and the VA just totally overlooked it. Would that be a cue? Sure, sure. So, so for example, let's say, um, oh, I don't know, let's say that the veteran filed for right knee, patellofemoral syndrome of, of the right knee, or just the veteran claimed a right knee condition. And if he adjudicated it, said uh, service medical records were void of any complaints or treatment for a right knee condition. Well, 20 years roll down the road, and the veteran decides to secure his service medical records from the National Personal Records Center. And lo and behold, there it is, uh, sprained right knee ligament uh, on temporary profile while on active duty. Well, that, that's a clear and unmistakable error. Um, now, the question is going to be, Gerald, uh, in the VA claims file, did the adjudicator have that service medical record as part of the as part of the record when the decision was made? If they did, that's a cue. If they didn't, it's not a cue, but you can refile it because the law also says if, if, if the VA uncovers government records that were not part of the file already that changes the outcome, the VA is obligated to compensate the veteran all the way back to the original data claim. So the bottom line is if you still get the effective date granted. It, it, it could be a cue, 
if the adjudicator had that in front of him or her when they made the decision, or if the adjudicator did not have that in front of him or her when they made the decision, but the service medical record surfaces at a later date, then the VA is obligated to, to rate it all the way back to date of claim, if that makes sense. Okay. Yes, yes, makes uh, total sense uh, because although, in my opinion, they should have all records uh, uh, there in front of them when they're making a decision on the claim, but mm -hmm. uh, like you say, sometimes they don't uh, manifest themselves till sometimes years down the road for, for whatever reason. I mean, you know. All yeah. of a sudden, yeah. here they are. They pop up in your record, and you say, oh, my, look at this. Uh, well, here's, Gerald, here's a good example. Uh, we, we've all heard about uh, the fire at the National Personal Record Center in St. Louis, yeah. Missouri, in 1972. We've all heard about that. And, and a lot of Army records were destroyed, and a lot of Air Force records were destroyed. The majority of the Marine Corps and Navy were untouched as far as I understand. But 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 the point I'm making is that they they have different methods to to find those service medical records. Not all of them went up in fire. So I, I remember working for the government occasionally they'd be going through some repository at the National Personal Records Center, some closet or some bin tucked away that that got covered up with a tarp and someone decided to, to look into it and it's a whole bin full of Service medical records. Well, that's an example of records that were previously labeled as burnt up in a fire. All of a sudden, they've been found, and and therefore the veteran can claim, okay, my records have now been found. Uh, that 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 neck strain or cervical neck strain or or thoracic lumbar back strain or or something like that uh, was denied. Therefore, there's evidence in my service medical record to re-adjudicate this claim and compensate me all the way back to 1968 or whatever. You know, it's that's a possibility. So that's an example of where records are uncovered that were previously thought to be lost. You know, um, whenever you, you know, if you issued a set of orders, if you look on that set of orders there, it's going to tell you uh, so many copies went uh, to headquarters, so many copies went to uh, wherever, you, wherever, so many copies went to the janitor, so many copies <laughs> went here. <laughs> Whenever you're, you know, and they tell you your file burn up, you know good and well you got all these other copies out here somewhere. Uh, and it tells you on your orders who got them. As a well, rule, yeah, we're we're told one thing, and then sometimes we find out other things happen, and that's an example of where records are found <laughs> mysteriously. Um, yes, it's interesting. I you know sometimes people doubt there is even a fire. Well, <laughs> and, and unless I guess you were witness to the fire, you wouldn't know for sure. I, I remember receiving records from the National Personal Records Center that were partially burned. So I mean they they find them yeah. and some of them are charred and sinned or singed and, and mm -hmm. they make a copy and send it to us and it, it's kind of surreal looking at some of these documents that yeah. are that are charred up. 
Well, you know, you're hard to. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Is that John? Yeah. 72, I think. 1974 arson. Was the arson? Yeah, oh, the arson? Well, you know why it went up. I, I heard the story is that they didn't have uh, the, pre- the, the proper sprinkler system at that time, and everyone smoked. And, and it was a situation where it sounded like someone threw a cigarette on a, on a pair of, uh, well, not a pair, but a, a pile of papers, and, and it went up like, uh, you know, you know what. So that, that, that's my, my understanding of how the whole thing started. Well, I know you're Who's hard the, put to find someone that the records they did. The BA tells everybody the records burn up one time or something. Here's a hypothetical. Here's a hypothetical. If you're looking at uh, Q and you're looking at, uh, I guess, 3.156 is the statute you guys are talking about due to, you know, missing certain department records. Their veteran files a claim for. Uh, condition like hypertension in 1992 or 1993, the VA sends them a letter saying that uh, they didn't have a claim based on service records not available. Mm-hmm. In 2000, the guy reopens the claim. The VA does receive the service records. They still deny the claim, so the evidence wasn't new material. They looked at the service records. So the veteran attempts to reopen the claim a couple of years later. And they finally give him a CMP exam. While he's in the CMP exam, the examiner looks at the information and writes on his, on his stated opinion, you know, about, you know, at least likely or not, as, you know, at least as likely or not related to service. The CMP examiner says, uh, examining the veteran's medical record in service record shows treatment for, high, you know, shows treatment for hypertension and. Then the several several readings within the first post over here being out of service. Now would that be a Q or would that be a three point one five six error? It, it could be a Q if I understand the question right. I think any time yeah. that a claim is eventually service connected based on examiner's review of the service medical records, and yeah. in comparing that to a previous denial of a doctor that reviewed the service medical record, then then you look at. Mm-hmm what the doctor reviewed at the time when it was denied, uh, the rationale for denial, those types of things. And and mm-hmm. you certainly could, could file a cue based on the doctor's ineptitude. Uh, right. if, if there was something in the service medical records that that, that uh, would have changed a reasonable mind, I think the term is reasonable, mm-hmm. sound mind, then, then you could call yeah. it a cue. But, but then what's, what you're going to have is... The current doctor who service connected it in comparison to the past doctor doctor that didn't mm-hmm. service connect it and and, and mm-hmm. find out if it was reasonable for that first doctor to deny it. If it was reasonable that then you might be in for an uphill climb. But if that original doctor just, there was just no first doctor. fell down and if that first doctor there was just no screwed first up, doctor. yeah, I'd file a cue. Yeah. I'm not sending you a copy of it as you look at it. Could be a cue. Could be a cue. Yeah. But I think it's a cue. And then basically, still they have to, you know, realize that you can cue the first decision because they didn't use 3.156 on it, you know, back to the date. So remember that, guy. If you've been denied and they find your records and still going to get service next later on, you might be able to still go back to your original date. 
you faded out there a little bit, John. Um, but uh, no, just, I'm uh, telling people to remember that if you got a situation similar, a lot of guys do. You know, if if you have a situation similar to that, then you still be able to go back to the original dates. Uh, so you know, just find you a good representative to help you out here. I know a few of them that can help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think with with Q, um, everyone thinks they have a Q, and and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the VA does some things that that a lot of people don't understand. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes the VA is correct, uh, or, or if they are incorrect, it's not a clear and unmistakable error by the VA. But there are there are cues out there. So I would say, yeah. anyone out there listening, you can call me, and before the show ends, I'll give you my my ad, my, my phone number and, and my email address. I'll look and do it for you. Uh, we'll file it. I'll never tell a veteran no. Uh, but but if I don't see a cue there, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about it and say, okay, this is what I see. You know, I'll file it for you. But this is what you you're gonna be up against. But, but mm-hmm. they're they're tough they're tough to win, but they're not impossible. Mhm. I'll say you probably have to go to the board though, because I'm gonna say the regional office don't want to accept it anyway. I'm sorry. Say again. I say probably headed toward the board of extra field because the legal office don't accept them anyway. Yeah. I don't know. They Especially didn't mind. With, it depends, girl. If you're dealing with a legal office I'm dealing with, I guarantee you. <laughs> John knows that. Well, thing. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's, what's frustrating about Louisville, John, is 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 – God, some of the nicest people to work with. I've got regional offices that they're just jerks. But but yeah. but but uh, Louisville. I mean, some of the nicest people to work with. But God darn, it's hard mm-hmm. to squeeze a dime out of them. It is yeah. hard to squeeze a dime out of them. Well, they got so serious trouble back there when that guy was giving money away to every. Yeah, I was ripping people off, and that DAD rep was giving money to Alan Biles and everything. They finally went to jail, and they kind of, you know, they're, they're very skeamish about that, and that hurt them pretty bad. What, what's what's kind of nice about how the VA has evolved, though, is that uh, uh, claims in the in the day they used to be adjudicated at your regional office. So if you lived in Kentucky, it was Louisville all the way. But now they have this national work queue. Your 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 claims are adjudicated at many, I mean, 56, 58 VA regional offices that could go to any one of them. Yeah. So hmm. it's kind of the luck of the draw, the workload. Of course, then you've got designated ramp VA regional offices, too, that only do ramp claims. So I, it's, hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of a luck of the draw. I, I mean, I used to have veterans uh, that uh, uh, I told you, I said, you know, these regional offices, some are much more, Liberal and, and loose with their pockets, and so if there's if there's any way you can establish residence in a specific regional office, that's the regional office to go with. So what you found is a lot mm-hmm. of regional offices that were considered a a soft touch. All of a sudden, veterans are opening up PO boxes and all kinds of things in that regional office, and and uh, so but they the VA got wise to that, I think, and so now it's just kind of the luck of the draw what regional office you're going to get. I know I have my favorites, mm-hmm. but uh, if there's some I wouldn't want my worst enemy yet. It's just the way it is. Okay. But guys, um, you know, before we, we we sign off, I just want to 
Gerald, is it okay if I share my uh, email and phone number? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. Uh, yeah, folks listening out there now or listening later on podcast, you can reach me at uh, uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, area code 651-303-3062. That's 651-303-3062. Or you can email me at uh, the Comcast email address. It's benefitsagent at comcast.net. That's benefits, B-E-N-E-F-I-T-S, agent, A-G-E-N-T, at comcast.net. Are you on that uh, Lincoln uh, program? Um, I mean, uh, what is that, some kind of chat room or something? LinkedIn. 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 LinkedIn, yeah, yeah LinkedIn. Uh, yep. I think you are. That's a job search. Back yeah, yeah, I was wondering if we were friends on there. Yeah, LinkedIn is, is a social website for job seekers or individuals who may not be seeking jobs but might be seeking other individuals to come work for them or or, or it's an also a, a nice way to meet and greet, to network with other people too. I'm on there myself. I'm not... I'm certainly not looking to change employment, but I'm on there as a – it's a good tool for people to contact me, to be honest with you, from a business perspective. I've drawn clients through that website. Yes. Uh, yeah, we have got several uh, uh, talk show uh, uh, people come on uh, from that site, and yep. they're pretty nice people. All in all, oh, yeah. it seemed like – a a pretty good deal. You know, the veterans and a yep. lot of veterans on there for sure. In fact I'm I'm friends with the undersecretary Paul Lawrence. Uh he I he, am I, I think he just, <laughs> Yeah, he I think he just sent out a mass email to everyone that was keyword veteran or something like that. And uh, he, he must like he have because he sent yeah, me that one was a tip. I just <laughs> accepted him the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys. Guys, I, I thought I was special. I thought I was special that uh, he wanted to make a, a one-on-one confirmation with me. We sit down and have coffee and have dinner and the whole thing. And so, uh, but no, I, I, it was a rude awakening for me. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, he's, he. I brought up on him. He seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, and certainly well, up to up. date on VA policies. I'd well, like to get him on the, the, on the top shelf. He's a uh, water, though. About as famous as I've got his, hotline. <laughs> no, no, I, I got his phone number, so I'll, uh, I'll try to get him on. <laughs> hey, that would be great. I bet he might come on. I'd go on with him. That'd be interesting. He is against well, it'd be a good show, yes. Uh, He's against the Blue Water Bill, so is the Secretary. Um, uh, And I think their their main claim to fame is they they need more scientific evidence. uh, And and so that's that's why they don't want to do it. But I think the real reason is is, uh, the cost, uh, the billions of dollars it's going to cost. It's going to cost a lot of money, but they approved it. But I think 
they approved it knowing that there's going to be a major issue on establishing the territorial waters, and I'm sure it's going to come down to that. That's the only hitch I see in it. Yeah. Um, there's there's only one guy paying the bill, Gerald, for that. Well, it's taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, we, we all know him pretty well. His name is Taxpayer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know, uh, John, that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come out of, you know, the, yep. someone's got to pay for it. And, and it's going to yeah, increase our taxes. Okay, it, so. At least it's not going to come out of veterans' pockets when you go to get a home loan, things like that, like the other bill was trying to get it to debt. Yeah, that's, so like, that's a dirty pool. Yeah, yeah that wasn't backdoor back antics that yeah. they were trying to do there. So yeah. yeah, I knew that would go nowhere. Uh, yeah. This if if that's they're a, deserving and the BA says they're deserving and the BA should, it's their responsibility to come up with the funds to do it. Yeah, that's a pretty big scheme, John. <laughs> All that was. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Sometime next, next time I'm on, we can talk about talk about that annual. Uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, but every year they come up with ways to save the VA money by cutting out uh, TDIU, oh, uh, neurological that's diseases, and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. So we'll do that CBO. next time. <laughs> yeah. It never sticks out. Now the White House. And the guy that runs that's now White House Chief of Staff. Oh, yeah, it never that, ain't, that, that's just, that ain't good. That's just their job. That's what they're doing. They have to yep. do that. I, I, I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like that stick. I remember when they tried to lower sleep apnea from 50% down to 0%. That never stuck mm-hmm. either. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. You know, all it does is get yeah. veterans all worked up, especially the ones that are under unemployability, TDIU. And, and yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, that's fine. They want to do that, then I'll pull all my clients in. We'll get them scheduler 100%. I mean, it's it's silly. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for another show, I guess. Oh, it'll be a good one. Um, so get your homework done. We'll, we'll, we'll get that done in the next month or so because need, this needs to be discussed yep. while it's still fresh in everybody's mind. Yep, yep. Call me up again. We'll be on the show again. That'll be a good topic. But, uh Anything else before I uh, shoot out of here, guys? No, that's, no I think that's that'll do it. We really Good appreciate show. you coming on, John, and you give out yeah. some right, excellent information today. So I hope yeah, the folks right. out there listening appreciates it and realizes that uh, this is for their benefit and and if. If they're not a veteran and they're listening, perhaps they know a veteran, they can, you know, tell them to go to hadit.com and listen to the podcast. It's in the archives there. And hadit.com is a wealth of information, research information for veterans. And there's thousands. Yes. Yes, we just did a 22-year show. And... uh, T Bird's still with us. Yeah, she ain't quit yet. Yeah. Yep. Been it's good. a good website. Good website, folks. www.hadit.com. And, and like I said, even if you're not a veteran, uh, I, there there isn't very many people out there that, that don't know a veteran, a family member, a friend, a coworker, 
an enemy? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> check out the website. Um, refer them to me or any other uh, credited agent, and we'll do our best. That's that's right. Uh, we want to get the word out to everyone we possibly can. That's what we're here for. If we try to keep up on all the the new material that's coming around and and get it out to to everyone as soon as we can. And uh, uh, we want everybody informed. Uh, if you're a veteran, you need to stay informed, and and uh, it, it's important to stay informed. Yeah, you're right, Gerald. So, well, I, I think that was a good show, guys. If if, uh, if if anyone wants to contact me, again, phone number six five one three zero three three zero six two, or email me at benefits. That's plural. Benefits agent at Comcast dot net. So. I will bid you guys adieu. Uh, thanks for having me on, and, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, John. All right, guys. Thank yes. you. Bye. That was really a good show, John. That was a very good show. Mr. Dolly, he always brings his best. So, you know, we can yes, he does. rely on him. Yeah, so. And if he don't know the answer, he'll find it. Yeah. Well, really up to date on stuff. So. Hey, as far That's as a good. claims agent, buddy, you, you, you know, as far as a claims agent, that uh, you know, you, you don't get much better than that guy right there. Yeah, he uh, he does his job. Yeah. And a good so, job. He, uh, right. You know, he always has. He'll always keep his edge. Yeah. Uh, uh, all these guys lose their edge and become a dud, but this guy's not going to do that. <laughs> I think a lot of them do get burned out. Uh, he mm-hmm. seems to pace himself, and he's he's getting it done pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have him on, that's for sure. All righty. Well, you ready to shut her down, Captain? Well, we better shut her down. Uh <laughs> I, I think uh, it's time to stop the bar anyway. And, yeah, uh, I need to. Yeah, I, I've got some more hissing stuff to do tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think my contractor got froze up somewhere. I told yeah. him to stay away yeah. from plumbing. <laughs> I got a call. <laughs> got a couple of things to do. It's, it's going to be hot and heavy first thing in the morning. Yeah. Mm. Yep. You're starting your, your project, are you? Yep, tear up. Well, good deal. I just put two thousand pounds of tile on the bedroom floor. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's a lot of tile. That's heavy stuff, so, yep. Yeah, it is. It heavy. is. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to put a sky hook on your roof keep your house from falling in. Well, we'll keep it from going one direction, you know, not lean a little bit. Yeah. We need to lean entirely direction. All righty. Well, I'll shut it down, buddy. You have, a, you have a good night. That was a good show. 
Yeah, all right. We'll talk to you later. All right. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show. Good night. Goodbye.